Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. The purpose of Leviticus is that God is holy and he has called his people to be holy. And holy is like separate or distinct from the people in the land where they're about to occupy. Okay, so God is setting a precedence concerning sacrifices and when you eat the meat of the sacrifice and all that good stuff, he just he's laying out a precedence concerning this is what I accept. Okay? And this is absolutely key. Even to these minute details, it is absolutely key. You've probably heard the saying, practice makes perfect. Or better yet, perfect practice makes perfect. So in the case of sports or anything in life, you quickly realize that if you're going to set yourself apart and perform well, then you need to practice, practice, practice. Pastor James shares that although none of us are perfect, God set up all of the rules and regulations in Leviticus to show us that God deserves our very best when it comes to worshiping Him. And that takes a lifetime of practice. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 7 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Chapter 7, I'm going to read through New Living Translation. It says, These are the instructions for the guilt offering. It is most holy. The animal sacrificed as a guilt offering must be slaughtered at the place where the burnt offerings are slaughtered. Okay? Um, this is, again, we're just in the sacrificial stuff, but this is the last part of it. And its blood must be splattered on all sides of the altar. The priest will then offer all its fat on the altar including the fat of the broad tail, the fat around the internal organs, and the two kidneys, and the fat around them near the loins, and the long lobe of the liver. These are to be removed with the kidneys, and the priest will burn them on the altar as a special gift presented to the Lord. This is the guilt offering. Any male from a priest's family may eat the meat. It must be eaten in a sacred place, for it is most holy. This will come back in chapter 10, okay? The same instructions apply for both the guilt offering and the sin offering. Both belong to the priest who uses them to purify someone, making that person right with the Lord. In the case of the burnt offering, the priest may keep the hide of the sacrificial animal. Why? I don't know. Um, But maybe a nice throw rug, right? I'm not sure. They keep the hide of it. If you want to, you can. If you're a priest, there you go. In the case, uh, or I'm sorry, let's see. I threw myself off with that. I uh, distracted myself. Look at that. This is, this is where my ADD starts to kick in. All right, going back. The hide. There it is. Uh, so same instructions for the guilt offering as a sin offering. You can keep the hide. Any grain offering that has been baked in an oven, prepared in a pan, or cooked on a griddle, like a pancake, belongs to the priest who presents it. All other grain offerings, whether made of dry flour or flour moistened with olive oil, are to be shared equally among all the priests, the descendants of Aaron. These are the instructions regarding the different kinds of peace offerings that may be presented to the Lord. If you present your peace offering as an expression of thanksgiving, the usual animal sacrifice must be accompanied by various kinds of bread made without yeast. Thin cakes mixed with olive oil, wafers spread with oil, cakes made of choice flour mixed with olive oil, 
This peace offering of thanksgiving must be accompanied by the loaves of bread made with yeast. Okay, some without, some with. One of each kind of bread must be presented as a gift to the Lord. It will then belong to the priest who splatters the blood of the peace offering against the altar. The meat of the peace offering uh, or the peace offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the same day it is offered. None of it may be saved for the next morning. Okay, so just so you're understanding when the priest, there are certain sacrifices that when the priests make those sacrifices, they keep a portion of the meat for themselves and they keep a portion of the bread for themselves. Um, in, uh, and we'll see this, especially as we go into Deuteronomy and Joshua, but the, the Levites were given, a, were given no land, basically, and they had to depend upon the nation of Israel to provide for their needs. And part of that was through the sacrificial system where animals were coming in, parts of, the, I mean, their groceries, so to speak, came from the sacrifices. So God, through Moses, is just laying this all out, laying out the foundation, okay? We've got to establish the foundation before we can get to worshiping and sacrificing, okay? It says, if you bring an offering to fulfill a vow or as a voluntary offering, the meat must be eaten on the same day the sacrifice is offered, but whatever is left over may be eaten on the second day, okay? Any meat left over until the third day must be completely burned up. If any of the meat from the peace offering is eaten on the third day, the person who presented it will not be accepted by the Lord. Oh, watch out. Um, so you got to pay attention, okay? And you got to know your offerings, and you got to know what day is this, and when do we clean out the fridge, okay? So you got to stay on top of it. It says, uh, you will receive no credit for offering it. By then, the meat will be contaminated. If you eat it, you will be punished for your sin. So... It seems as though God is taking this thing very seriously, right? And I would be so stressed out if I lived in this world because I'd be like, Lord, you already know I'm already so scatterbrained. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be eating like three-day-old three meat, right? And then oh, there goes that sacrifice. I praise the Lord. And, it, and every time I go through Leviticus, I'm just like, Jesus, thank you so much that you did what you did. <laughs> okay, so verse 19 Meat that touches anything ceremonially unclean may not be eaten. It must be completely burned up. The rest of the meat may be eaten, but only by people who are ceremonially clean. If you are ceremonially unclean and you eat meat from the offering that was presented to the Lord, you will be cut off from the community. If you touch anything that is unclean, whether it is human defilement or an unclean animal or any other unclean detestable thing, then the meat from a peace offering presented to the Lord will be cut off. Uh, you will be cut off from the community, okay? Just, again, laying the groundwork, okay? <laughs> so if you're taking notes, relax. It's okay. Um, if you don't, again, praise Jesus, right? You don't, have to, you don't have to have this down. You don't have to have this down. I'm like, woo, praise God, because um, this is a lot of info, now, there's another rule concerning these sacrifices and eating the meat that's been offered up and all this good stuff. Verse 22, the Lord says to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. You must never eat fat, whether from cattle, sheep, or goats. The fat of an animal found uh, dead or torn to pieces by wild animals must never be eaten, though it may be used uh, for any other purpose. 
Anyone who eats fat from an animal presented as a special gift to the Lord will be cut off from the community. No matter where you live, you must never consume the blood of any bird or animal. Anyone who consumes the blood will be cut off from the community. And all the Texans say, oh, praise Jesus, right? Because <laughs> you're like, no fat. Um, here, concerning this and, and the, the fat of a wild or a slain animal and all this good stuff and blood from, you shouldn't eat eat blood from birds anyways. That's kind of a bad sign. If you get chicken and there's still blood in it, you probably should cook that chicken longer. Um, so just saying. But the Lord's just throwing out some, it's kind of dietary, but kind of not. But this is, again, the purpose of Leviticus is that God is holy and he has called his people to be holy. And holy is like separate or distinct from the people in the land where they're about to occupy Okay, so God is setting a precedence concerning sacrifices and when you eat the meat of the sacrifice and all that good stuff, he's just, he's laying out a precedence concerning this is what I accept. Okay, and this is absolutely key. Even to these minute details, it is absolutely key that these guys pay attention to this for sure. Because when you don't pay attention, it will cost you your life. And that's just how it works. And so he's, he's throwing out minute details, but they're of the utmost importance. Verse 28 of that same chapter, the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. More instructions. When you present a peace offering to the Lord, bring part of it as a gift to the Lord. Okay. Present it to the Lord with your own hands as a special gift to the Lord. Bring the fat of the animal together with the breasts and lift up the breasts as a special offering to the Lord. Then the priest will burn the fat on the altar, but the breast will belong to Aaron and his descendants. Give the right thigh of your peace offering to the priest as a gift. The right thigh must always be given to the priest who offers the blood and the fat of the, pre- of the um, peace offering. For I have reserved the breast of, uh, of the special offering and the right thigh of the sacred offering for the priest. It is a permanent right of Aaron and his descendants to share in the peace offerings brought by the people of Israel This is their right to share. The special gifts presented to the Lord have been reserved for Aaron and his his descendants from the time they were set apart to serve the Lord as priests on the day they were anointed. And God commanded the Israelites to give these portions to the priests as their permanent share from generation to generation. These are the instructions for the burnt offering. So you're like, can you imagine being there back then? And you're just like, okay, I'm trying to write this down. (laughs) Like, can you go slower, Moses? Um... I mean, this is an all-day deal where Moses is just laying out, here's the sacrifice, peace offering, uh, sin offering, burnt offering, and this is where we're at, burnt offerings, the grain offerings, the sin offering, the guilt offering, as well as the ordination offering and the peace offering. The Lord gave these instructions to Moses on Mount Sinai, so that lets us know geographically where this is happening, when he commanded the Israelites to present their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. And we're like... Whew, okay, no more offerings, not yet, right? So that's all been established. And, and there's, there's, you know, a handful of distinct offerings that can cover this, that'll cover this. A couple of, or three of them are like voluntary. You can do them if you want. Uh, but if you're going to do them, do them right. That's the key. If you're going to offer them, then do them right. Okay, that's, that's just, there's order, there's structure. And God has laid this foundation so you have the sacrifices and how to sacrifice, but now we need 
the priest. Now, if you were with us when we were going through Exodus, we went through all of this concerning the priestly, you have the, the, the garb and all that good stuff, okay? But this is the ordination. This is like, this is it, okay? We talked about the clothing that needed to be designed and made and all that good stuff for Aaron and his sons and, and, and all the, the intricate details that went along with that. And when you're to anoint them on the, the ear, the thumb, and the, the, the big toe on the right, all on the right side, um, we'll see that again. But we've, we've already gone through all that. But this is the day... In history, chapter 8 of of Leviticus, is when that actually happens. So they're at the base of Mount Sinai where Moses got the commandments twice um, because, you know, people, uh, this is the Lord is, they've established a tabernacle. They've they've got the sacrificial system. That's all set. Here's how you do that. Now we need the priesthood so that we can start the sacrifices. Like, you can, in one sense, if you put yourself in the story, you can kind of feel that the tension is growing because you've been hearing about this and you've seen the tabernacle. Everybody's been pitching in and, and you know, you got skilled laborers and they're, they're making these things and these guys are making these things. And then it all comes together and the tabernacle has been built and you have three tribes on this side, three tribes on this side, three tribes over here, and then the three tribes over here. So you have surrounded this tabernacle. It is the center of your community. And it's not the tabernacle, so to speak, it's God who is the center. And so all of this has been built and it's been put in place. And now we know how to sacrifice. So what we need to do is we need to ordain these priests so we can start the sacrifices. So like there, there really is, it's not just like, you know, this isn't just letters on pages. This is people who are like experiencing this of like, let's go. Let's get it. Let's, let's start these sacrifices. Chapter 8, verse 1. The Lord says to Moses, bring Aaron and his sons along with their sacred garments and the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, and the two rams and the basket of bread made without yeast. All what we covered in the first seven chapters. And call the entire community of Israel together at the entrance of the tabernacle. So Moses followed the Lord's instructions and the whole community assembled at the tabernacle entrance. Moses announced to them, this is what the Lord has commanded us to do. Then he presented Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. He put the official tunic on Aaron and tied a sash around his waist. He dressed him in the robe and placed the ephod on him, attached the ephod securely with the decorative sash. Then Moses placed the chest piece on Aaron, uh, put the Urim and Thummim inside it, and he placed the turban on his head and attached the gold medallion, the badge of holiness, or maybe your Bible says the crown, the, uh, to the front of the turban, just as the Lord had commanded him, okay? So I, I again, I praise God that, well, I don't have to dress like that, because <laughs> number one, uh, ain't nobody washing me with water before I stand on stage, okay, and represent, you know, and, or teach the word of God, because that's what they did for Aaron. They had to, like, you know, throw buckets of water on this guy, um, and then they got to get him dressed, and not that he was nude or anything like that, but they, they, they clothed him, they got him ready to go in front of the people, so the people could understand, this is a high priest, like, Aaron has been set apart. The nation of Israel has been set apart, but now Aaron has been set apart from even the nation of Israel and his whole lineage 
as you represent us before God. This is a big deal. This is a really big deal. So Moses does that for Aaron, who is his brother. Let's not forget that. He, he sets him in front of the congregation. They get them all dressed, and they're about to start these sacrifices, okay? In the courtyard is where all the action was happening, so to speak. As people are coming to the entrance, bringing their animals, and the priests were at work making sacrifices, okay? So verse 10 of chapter 8, continuing on. Moses took the anointing oil and he anointed the tabernacle and everything in it, making them holy. He sprinkled the oil on the altar seven times. That's the number of perfection or a number of completion. Anointing it in all its utensils, as well as the wash bin and its stand, making them holy. Then he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head, anointing him and making him holy for his work. Next, Moses prepared or presented Aaron's sons. He clothed them in their tunics, tied their sashes around them, and put their special head coverings or their caps on them, just as the Lord had commanded him. So Moses or Aaron's been anointed with the oil. Everything in the tabernacle has been anointed with the oil. Oil is a representation of like the Holy Spirit. And then now Aaron's sons are dressed. They're dressed for ministry. Moses presented the bull for the sin offering, verse 14, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the bull's head, and Moses slaughtered it. Moses took some of the blood with his finger. He put, he put it on the four horns of the altar to purify it. He poured out the rest of the blood at the basin of the altar. Through this process, he made the altar holy by purifying it. Then Moses took all the fat around the internal organs, long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat around them, and he burned them on the altar. He took the rest of the bull, including its hide, meat, and dung, and burned it on a fire outside the camp, just as the Lord had commanded him. So here's like Moses, who's like now a, like a butcher, right? Kind of like, you, can you imagine? Like, this is all happening in one day. Like, you start off the day with like, okay. Um, we're going to get Aaron set up. We get him dressed and all that good stuff. And we anoint him and we anoint the tabernacle and all that. And we get Aaron's sons, Moses's nephews. He gets them dressed and prepared and all that good stuff. And now he, now Moses has to, they all lay their hands on the bull and Moses has to be, he's the one who, who slaughters this bull. Like he's doing all this work all on his own initially, right? This is just crazy. I'm reading back through this again, I was just like, man, that is a lot for one person to do. And the sacrifices don't end there. You talk about a busy day. You got the bull. Now you get, verse 18, the ram for the burnt offering. Then Moses presented the ram for the burnt offering. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the ram's head. Moses slaughtered it. Then Moses took the ram's blood and splattered it against all sides of the altar. Then he cut the ram into pieces, burned the head, some of the pieces, and the fat on the altar. After washing the internal organs and the legs with water, Moses burned the entire ram on the altar as a burnt offering. It was a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded him. Then Moses presented the other ram. So he's not even done. It's like a bull, now a ram. Now another ram. Like if I was Moses, I'd be like, I think I'd be exhausted at this point in time. Plus you're like, oh, it's just a mess, right? It's just a bloody mess. He took the other ram, 
the ram of ordination, Aaron and his sons laid their hands on that ram's head, and Moses slaughtered it. (laughs) Then Moses took some of its blood and applied it to the lobe of Aaron's right ear and the thumb of his right hand and the big toe of his right foot. Why? Well, the right ear, because it's a dominant dominant ear, most people are right-handed and right-eared and right-toed, I guess, but uh, it's... It's representation that his ear would always be in tune with God, God's voice. May you always hear his voice, okay? His right thumb, this is his representation of service. May all that you do be done for him. May all that you do be done for him. Your right toe, may you walk in his ways. May you forever walk in his ways. Ear, thumb, and toe. It was significant. Again, we went over some of that back in Exodus. But he's, he's applied it to his ear and all that good stuff. Next, verse 24, Moses presented Aaron's sons and applied some of the blood to the lobes of their right ears, their thumbs, the thumbs of their right hands, and the big toes of their right feet. Then he splattered the rest of the blood against all sides of the altar. Next, Moses took the fat, including the fat of the broad tail, the fat of the internal organs, and the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat around them, which are purifying organs, okay? They remove the toxins and all that good stuff, along with the right thigh. On top of these, he placed a thin cake of bread made without yeast, a cake of bread mixed with olive oil, and a wafer spread with olive oil. All these were taken from the basket of bread made without yeast that was placed in the Lord's presence. So you got a little, little pile on going on here. He put all these in the hands of Moses or in the hands of Aaron and his sons and lifted these, as, uh, these gifts as a special offering to the Lord. Then Moses took all the offerings back from them and burned them on the altar on top of the burnt offering. This was the ordination offering. It was a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord. Then Moses took the breast, lifted it up as a special offering to the Lord. This was Moses' portion of the ram of ordination, just as the Lord had commanded him. So he even gets a cut, right? So next, oh, here we go. And Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood that was on the altar. He sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their priestly garments. In this way, he made Aaron and his sons uh, and their garments holy, covered by blood. Covered by blood. Whew, it was a messy, a messy church service, huh? That's a messy, that's a messy church service. He thought there was messes after donuts. Man, imagine being here with the sacrifices. It's just like good grief. There's just blood and guts everywhere, everywhere. But there's a barbecue blazing in the background. The smell is filling up the nostrils of God in heaven, and he is pleased. He's pleased with it, right? So the last little bit of this, this ordination, is uh, Moses communicating to Aaron and his sons in verse 31, boil the remaining of the meat of the offerings at the tabernacle entrance and eat it there at the entrance, along with the bread that is in the basket of uh, offerings for the ordination, just as I commanded when I said Aaron and his sons will eat it. Any meat or bread that is left over must then be burned up. You must not leave the tabernacle entrance for seven days. For that is when the ordination ceremony will be completed. Everything we have done today was commanded by the Lord in order to purify you, making you right with him, God. 
Now stay at the entrance of the tabernacle day and night for seven days, a whole week, and do everything the Lord requires. If you fail to do this, you will die. (laughs) Welcome to the ministry, Aaron, and your sons. Here you go. For a week, you're going to stay right here. Pastor James Grizzle has been making his way through the book of Leviticus here on Bread for the Broken. Leviticus can be a tough book to get through with all of its rules and regulations, and sometimes it can be hard to see why we should learn any of that at all today. But every book in the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus. Several of the chapters in Leviticus deal with people who have sinned unintentionally and then later come to realize their sin. God lays out for them the steps to take in order to receive forgiveness. Now, the people of Israel brought sacrifices to the priests to pay for those sins. But we have a great high priest in Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice. Leviticus 6-7 says, And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven. How amazing is it that we have this great high priest who has atoned for all of our sins? The mission of Bread for the Broken is to help people find hope and new life in Jesus. If you'd like to join us in that mission, we have an opportunity for you to donate and to help us spread the word. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to join us in the mission today. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, you can explore all of the other messages and share them with your friends. And if you're in the Galveston, Texas area, we'd love to see you in a service at Calvary Galveston. We're here Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. But if you can't make it, we stream all of our services on Facebook. Well, we're out of time for today. We'll see you again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.